the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The information on this show is not intended to be the primary basis for investment decisions and should not be used to provide financial advice. Please obtain the guidance of a financial professional regarding your particular financial concerns. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. This program reflects the views of Arif Halaby, California Insurance License 0B93792 of TFS Financial Insurance Services. TFS Financial Insurance Services, California Insurance License Number 0F22477, provides retirement income strategy. Strategies using insurance and annuity products, which are guaranteed by the claims paying ability of the issuing company. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now, higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halabi. Hey, welcome to the show. Thanks for being with me. I'm Eric Halaby, the Total Financial Hour. Uh, this is your place for news, talk, and information. AM 870, The Answer. I appreciate you being here. TFS, Financial Insurance Services. That's what we do. That's who we are. Uh, handling your money and keeping it away from risk in the market. Some are part of it, right? We want to get it away from the risk. What is it that you have to count on? What money do you need to make sure is there? You've kind of run the race. You've completed the, the marathon, if you will. You crossed the finish line. And you're saying, I'm just not interested in taking that kind of risk anymore. Well, that's what we're here for. Seeing if we can create wealth building and a steady stream of income as you uh, grow through retirement. Okay. We've also talked about other things in the past. You've heard me mention this, and this is important because I have spoken about what I think is a big issue specifically, believe it or not, cameras in the classroom. To keep some of you updated here, uh, some of you know I was a Los Angeles police officer for almost 11 years. During that period of time, uh, I did not have cameras. They just started implementing them on a, like a test basis throughout the city. And in my division, what I did, we just didn't need them. It wasn't what I worked in the office, and we didn't have that. So that was not part of what I did. But I saw some friends had it out in the street. I saw that on occasion. I saw other people. Right? Uh, agencies, other agencies had them. But tell me about this. Why don't we have cameras in the classrooms? Teachers, educators? Right? I mean, you understand that, that I think that is just as important when you have teachers and educators, janitors and assistants that are sexually assaulting students. Right, Sexual misconduct resulted in 52 teachers losing their job. 52. Okay, well, that's kind of interesting. Why is it that there were uh, 350 K-12 through educators arrested on child sex crimes in 2022? 52 lost their job. Have you asked yourself, huh, what do the rest do? Well, you guys know there's something called teacher jail. No, no joke. 
Our educators actually have a jail. It's a classroom. It's a school, basically kind of an abandoned part of, for as far as students go. And teachers have to go, and they sit in a classroom. This is L.A. Unified and many other districts, but mostly L.A. Unified. They sit in a classroom until their case, if you will, is adjudicated, which is often weeks, if not months. I know of one person that's been there through uh, multiple school semesters, let's put it that way. So what do they do? They go there, they check in, they get their 15-minute little break, raise their hand, they go to the restroom, they come back, they bring their pillows. No kidding, they're being paid $80,000 plus a year to sit in there and play on their computer, to go to class online, to get their master's or their PhD, whatever they're doing. They're, they're doing this to what for what reason? Because they did something wrong, right or wrong. Let's say they're accused innocently. Then, then adjudicate it and get them back in the classroom teaching. We're paying them. There's dozens and dozens over the course of a year. Dozens. Which means millions of dollars. Millions of dollars. It could be used for school supplies. Teacher pay raises. Hiring other teachers where educators are just sitting in a classroom. You know this. It's not me just saying it, right? Everybody's got this third rail where teachers are always right. Why is it 350K through 12 educators arrested on child sex crimes in uh, 2022? And you know they didn't each just assault one child, right? It takes a bit to get busted. You kind of realize that. So if that's the case, why don't we have cameras in the classroom? Why don't we have body cameras with the teachers? Look, if I was a teacher, I'd want you to have a a camera in my classroom. I don't want any student saying I did something wrong. I hit them. I pushed them. I grabbed them. Let alone uh, sexual assault. Because some of those teachers inside a teacher teacher jail, they're innocent. Right? Junior was told to do his homework, didn't want to do his homework, got in trouble, decided to make a false accusation against the educator. So guess what? Teacher goes to teacher jail until the, the, the witnesses can come forward and all the stuff can be reviewed and on and on. Well, wouldn't it be nice if there were cameras that said, sorry, that didn't happen? Right? Why wouldn't the teacher union want to push for that? Right? If you're a teacher union and you're supposed to be looking out for your educators... Wouldn't you say, listen, some of them are getting hit, bitten, kicked, knocked out even? U.S. News is reporting that the feds have called on states to stop shielding teachers after being accused of sexual assault. Glendale Unified, you guys need to have cameras in the classroom, period. L.A. Unified, cameras in the classroom. Here's what you do. Ready? It's simple. Officers have cameras, right? Police officers. How many police officers per year, on average, kill unarmed black men? Nine. Unarmed white men, 14. That's the average. You can go up or down a couple. And just so you know, one is way too many. I have known way too many police officers who have had to use their firearm to protect themselves or the citizens. And in that case, it, that officer is never the same. And in, in, in countless opportunities across the country, officers will wish that they could have made a different decision. And that person chose to put them in that spot. 
and they had no other option. Sad. The body cams tell the story. Officers adjudicated. Nine times we've had uh, black men, if I'm not mistaken, that were unarmed and shot by police. Don't know the reasons. It's not the point. But we have every single officer in every single unit that is on the street in the city of Los Angeles, the county of L.A., Southern California, state of California, probably even the nation. Nearly every officer of every agency has a body camera. And there's nine in the United States. Fourteen, if you add male whites to that, there's 23 altogether. And yet here... uh, Did I say 350? Yeah, I'm just making sure you heard that number. 350 K-12 through educators were arrested on sex crimes last year. Why don't we have body cameras? Classroom cameras. Right? Look, if you told me that officers were bad guys before, and then they put on body cameras, and now they're behaving... I wouldn't believe you. I've been there. I know it's not true. But but let's say you let's play pretend and think that you're right. Well, great. Cameras did a job, right? Deterrent. Isn't that what you wanted? You, was the goal to catch a policeman and put him in jail? Or was the goal to stop the behavior that you thought was happening all the time? Because the behavior is not caught. It's, it's not happening. It just isn't happening. You can you can credit the the cameras. I'm all right with that. But what if you just were to say, mm, huh, 350, 350, maybe you didn't hear that. Educators were arrested in 2022. That means how many more are still guilty? Now, there are thousands of educators that don't touch a child. Tens of thousands of police officers that don't kill unarmed Black men, tens of thousands of educators that don't touch or harm a child. But when you have nine at plus 14, 23, wouldn't wouldn't it make sense to protect 350 innocent children? They didn't do anything wrong. Nothing. They went to school. They trusted an educator, a janitor, an assistant. Here's my proposal. Two cameras, one facing forward, one facing back. Zoom in capability. Every parent has a login. It's tracked. We can do that. Parent can be at their desk at at office taking their lunch break. And what do they do? They can log in and see, is Junior okay? Let me check my kid for the moment. They cannot speak into the camera, but they can listen to the words. They cannot speak into the classroom, but they can listen to the body camera on the teacher. And he or she can wear a body camera on their chest like the police officers do. That's kind of in the center. They can wear a clip on. Right? There's different models. Wear it on your on your lapel. I've seen those. Right? So you're over your right shoulder, your left shoulder, that kind of thing. Doesn't have to be necessarily in the center. So three cameras. And I, as a parent, can log in with my special username and password so you can track how long Arif's been on. Everybody signs HIPAA agreements and and uh, this agreement and that state agreement. Super easy. Done. Right? Easy. What if I was a parent volunteering in that classroom? I would hear what the teacher said. What if I was the math dad? 
like I was for one of my kids, uh, for two of my kids. First grade and kindergarten, uh, kindergarten and first grade, I think. What did I do? I read. I was the reading dad, the math dad. I sat there. I knew that Jimmy had a reading problem. Susie was really smart. Uh, Jenny had an issue. Um, Gary was smart. Right? I, you, you knew who was what. We have the technology. You can do it. Parents can figure out what teachers are saying. Everything is saved, just like in a police car. You realize body cameras, there is a locked compartment. Tamper-proof. Inside of the trunk of the police car. Communicated by Wi-Fi and Bluetooth and whatever other blue Wi-Fi teeth, whatever thing they're doing these days. Completely electronically communicating back to that camera. Backed up. Stored on that hard drive. The DVR has everything just like Seinfeld refund uh, reruns and Friends reruns. Well... That DVR also catches 100% of that officer's words, the suspect's words, the citizen's words, the victim. Very important. Because if teachers don't realize that these body cameras can help them, just listen to the same words 30 years ago, 25 years ago, when they were introducing these body cameras into the police agencies and the ACLU and everybody else said, it's a great idea. Officers are going to want them. They need them. It adjudicates those good officers and gets the bad ones off the street. You should be happy for it. Just take the word officer out, put in the word teacher or educator, depending on your pedigree. You, You can do that. Right? The amount... Of uh, here's one May 19, 2022. Fox News reports a teacher by the name of Gower is accused of sexually abusing seven children's when she was a teacher. Uh, maybe you didn't hear that. She was a teacher. You understand that it's a lady. Mrs. Gower is a so it isn't just men. There's a former Teacher of the Year. Did you know that? Teacher of the Year. California Teacher of the Year faces 14 charges in a child sexual abuse case. Jacqueline Ma, former teacher in National City, is accused of having an inappropriate relationship with a 13-year-old boy. Teacher of the Year. Asian lady, by the way. Looks lovely. Looks uh, conservative, right? A necklace on. Let's see. No, no, no cross or anything. Necklace, couple necklaces, turtleneck, black, beautiful smile. Nice. She was booked into jail on numerous felony charges. You understand this is anybody, male, female, Asian, white, black, Hispanic, anybody. As Senator Scott Wilk said, and again, I told you before, I've told you a few weeks ago, you know that I don't always agree with him. In fact, I used to be very much aligned with him, uh, and I think he went, he went off the rail. He became a rhino with a capital R. That's fine. We don't have to agree to be friends anymore. It's okay. But what did he do that was awesome? Because he did. And when he does, I will say it. He's the highest-ranking Republican in the state of California. It doesn't mean a lot. It means he's basically just a, a bystander. 
because the Republicans have zero power and have for, oh, probably 12, 14 years. I think it's 14 years now. Zero power in the state. Right? I mean, it's nice that they they don't even consult. They don't even ask, hey, how would you handle this? They don't even care about them. Right? Republicans are, are like that kid you just don't pay attention to at school. Ignore them. State of California, they're irrelevant. Scott Wilk is on a committee, stands up with courage, by the way, honorable, by the way, and stands up. Talks about how the poisoning of the educational system in the state of California, the laws that they are passing, and how they are damaging children. Explain to me this. If you are a grandparent, the TFS Financial took care of your retirement, You now can live comfortably, and your goal is to be a grandparent here in the state of California. Explain to me how, if you are not on a daily basis volunteering at your child's grandchild's school, then do you have any idea what they are teaching them there? Do you have any idea what teacher, what educator? This beautiful Asian lady, I don't know, she, she looks like she's probably 35 years old. 34, there you go, 34 years old. It's a good guess. Just south of San Diego, she taught fifth grade. And what happens? Bam, all of a sudden, she's out there molesting. I mean, this is important. You understand this. Because she's not the only one. Right? This is not just a one-day event. Could this be something that you stand up for? Could this be the thing that now that you have the time, because you have a steady stream of income, you have things that you can do, you have the ability to go on and say, uh, I am going to be the kind of person who stands up for what we believe in. I'm going to be the kind of person who actually goes and, and, and goes to the board meetings. In, in fact, what if you actually ran for office? <gasps> no. You mean standing up and putting my face out there for ridicule? Yes, I do mean that. I do. I mean standing up and actually counting. I I guess the right word is what? Counting. Standing up for the children? I, I mean, could it be something that simple? That the next decade of your life is, a, is being committed to young people? Watch the film. Right? Watch the Freedom film that came out this year. Not that hard. Should we stop there? Should we stop in the K-12, through in the high schools? What if we went to every single college, university, campus? That should be easy. Let's do that one first. You know why? Very simple. They're all adults. By definition, they're all adults. Sign here. And if you're a parent, you should be able to record that you're paying for it, right? If you're a student, listen, if I'm a parent and I'm paying for my child to attend UCLA or UC Davis or, or Cal State Northridge or Cal State Dominguez Hills, if I'm a parent and I'm, I'm paying for that, then part of it is I get to sign in and listen to the classes. I may not do it. I might do it once. But if they know they're being recorded, they know they're being watched. Could there be something like, oh, I don't know, the libs of TikTok? What about the libs of uh, the libs of Cal State? 
right? How, how many California state, this is a report from Cal Matters, August 2023. How many Cal state employees are accused of sexual harassment? Here's why it's hard to know, because nobody wants to report it. <gasps> Two recent reports on sexual harassment complaints filed against Cal State employees conclude inconsistent data. They are covering it up. They are hiding it on purpose or on accident. It doesn't matter. They are doing it. Somebody knows and somebody's doing it on purpose. How many employees at Cal State University system were accused of some kind of sexual uh, unwanted sexual conduct in recent years? Well, nobody keeps track. Well, heaven forbid your local police department. Every time they stop or do an interview or write a ticket, the racial data of everybody has to be tracked. If you are applying for a college or university, your racial data, heck, your pronoun, everything about you has to be written down. Oh, but not Cal State University employees. No, no, no. Cal State LA, Cal State Dominguez Hills, Cal State Northridge. No, no, no. You don't have to report anything. Do you know why? It's not that hard. I mean, it's it's, it's just, ah, there's 23 campuses. You know how hard that is? There's no meaningful data. Explain to me why they're hiring the, uh, hiding this data. Uh, because somebody's hiding it. I mean, you understand that. Whether they throw it away, they're going to spend, oh, Software and training, right around $25 million. $25 million. No, not, not 2.5. Carry that decimal. Take that eighth grade algebra. Push, push it over. $25 million going towards the adoption of the report's uh, recommendations for what? Uh, training. Unwanted conduct are some of the reasons Cal State estimates it'll spend million dollars. We agree that the recommendations are that we need to basically come out. I'm just going to surmise it. Uh, but, uh, but the recommendations are that we need better training. Oh, it's all about training. Right? That's why the left says, oh, we just didn't get our message out. When they lose, they just didn't get their message out. No, no, no. People heard you loud and clear. In fact, the state of California, you just have to look. I don't even have to read anything. I just have to look. Look at the the, the homelessness. Look at the sewers on the street, the drug addicts. I mean, the, the graffiti. I just have to look. I don't have to read. Forget these reports. Well, explain to me the same thing when Cal State decides that it is not tracking the data. How many universities stop tracking the data? Look at the lawsuits. Settled out of court. And an undisclosed sum. You name the universities from Harvard and Yale and Princeton, UCLA and USC, Stanford, University of Arizona. Name the university that used to hide its sexual assault, rape reports, right? When when there were issues... But really what they did is kind of brushed it under the rug, retitled the report, quote, lost the report. You guys were up in flames about that. Oh, that's horrible. Oh, that's horrible. That 18-year-old, 21-year-old, she got drunk at the party and was sexually assaulted. Yes, that's horrible. In fact, it's evil. 
and I don't use that word lightly. But she got drunk at the party. She shouldn't have been at the party. She should have been studying. I get it. I don't want to hear that argument. Explain to me what a third grader did. Oh, 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 no, no, no. A 14-year-old. Tell me what a 14-year-old did to be sexually abused. Right? Maybe that's the thing you get to stand up for. Maybe that's the place that your legacy, you've heard me talk about that. Maybe that's the place that your legacy really takes off. That you become somebody who takes a look and says, maybe it's time. I'll give you another report here. UC San Diego Health reports find, this is back in 2019, I believe, reports, I'm sorry, report finds California above the national average for sexual harassment rates. I don't give a lot of stock to something like that because that's such a personal sensitive thing, right? Somebody says a joke. I remember in the police department, we had to go through this training. And they said, oh, if somebody says a joke and you think it's funny and you laugh, and the guy over there hears it by accident. Nobody nobody knew he was even there. And he's offended by that joke. That's sexual harassment. Like, what? Are you kidding? Did he know he was going to be a policeman? <laughs> did, he, did he know he was going to work in law enforcement? That his feelings can't get hurt because a gang member is going to call him all sorts of bad names? Maybe, just maybe, he should have a, a little bit of a thicker skin. I want you to stand up, folks. Somebody's going to have to. And maybe that's you. Stay with me after the break. We're going to continue. The Air of Hallaby. This is your place for news, talk, and information. The Total Financial Hour. 888 retire That's 888-997-3847. AM870, The Answer. We'll be right back. Higher income strategy. I'll retire comfortably. Thanks to Arab Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halaby. Learn about financial Hey, welcome back to the show. Thanks for staying with me. I'm Arab Halaby. This is the Total Financial Hour. Just a reminder, the top of the hour, your emails. Give me an email. Send me a, send, send me your email, your questions. Arif, A-R-I-F, Arif at TFSWealth.com. Arif, A-R-I-F at TFSWealth.com. All right, I've spoken before about some of the travel tips. The reason I want to bring this up is because the holiday season is coming around the corner. Uh, people are making plans or beginning to travel. I want to give you some of my travel tips. I'm only going to cover this for a few minutes and then jump into another su- subject here. But uh, I think it's important because a couple of you have come to me. It's kind of cute and said, you know, I, I didn't write down that one thing that you said about this. And I thought, wow, that that matters to you guys, and I appreciate that. I love to travel. Some of you know my dad worked for the airlines uh, and then was a travel agent. And so when you work for the airline, I don't know if it's the same case today, but back then if you worked for the airlines, you could fly for free on standby. It's called non-revenue or non-rev. So you would fly for free, 
well, you know, we, we would go to Hawaii for the weekend. You know, we didn't have a lot of money to do lots, lots of things, but his friend owned a hotel there, not on the beach of Waikiki, but one block off. Beautiful. My gosh. We would leave on a Friday. We'd come back on a Tuesday. Where were you this weekend? Oh, well, we were sitting at Waikiki eating bologna sandwiches, having an amazing time. Dad knew people. Mom knew people. They created a, an amazing experience for us. So that's what we did. But it was free, right? Dad and mom took four kids. That's six of us. What a great experience. So, so that allowed us to travel a lot. And you get good at something that you do a lot. At least you should, right? And so when you're doing something like that, uh, and now as an adult, it's become a passion of ours. It's one of those habits. So I want to give you some of the tips that, that I've come up over the, the uh, recent years. All right. This is a big one. I want you to take pictures of your suitcases, Before you fly, take a picture of your suitcases. And not just the front and back in some weird angle, but everything. The front, the sides, the back, the top. Because, and not just your check bags, by the way, but also your travel on, your your carry on. Because what are you going to do when you go in? I've had one or two times where bags have been lost and you say, hey, it was the black one. They're like, oh, goodness, really? Surprise. Did it have any characteristics? Remember what brand it was? Well, if you have a couple of different bags or you buy them over the years and they're different, you're not going to remember exactly what brand most of the time. But if you have a picture of it, you can say, this is what it looks like. Here's the front. Scroll over. Here's the back. Don't forget to use that camera. Take a picture of your bag, even the inside. If you're not sure or where you're flying or what you're doing, take a picture of the inside of the bag. I've had stuff stolen from inside of my suitcase before. Right, I flew from Buenos Aires, Argentina, to Lima, Peru, to Mexico City, to the United States. So it was a long flight. We had this hop, skip, and a jump. That's what happens when you fly non-revenue. Sometimes you have to take a long route. Non-stop doesn't always work. It doesn't matter. It's fine. I was a kid. It was still fun. But somebody opened up my suitcase and stole a bunch of stuff out of it. So if you're going to make a claim, I don't. it was a lot of money back then, I remember, but if you're going to make a claim, you need to know what did you what did you have in there? Okay. Next, put information inside of the main compartment of your suitcase. So once you're all done and you have tags on the outside of your suitcases, this is my favorite. You open it up and you put another tag right inside. So it's on top of your clothes. Close the lid. Zip it up. Because if you've had it where you're traveling to a wet climate or it's raining and they're transferring luggage back and forth and your name tag is is smudged or it's ripped off or just things happen, they're going to open it up and they're going to see if there's some sort of identifying feature. When they open it up, what's dry, what's all intact is another name plate, another little name tag, and it has all your information. What do you put on that? Well, listen, I want you to put an office. I put my office address. I don't put my home. Right? I don't want somebody going, oh, look, he's going to London. Well, that's at least a, whatever, 10-hour flight one way and a 10-hour flight back. So we know he's gone for at least a day, probably a week, because nobody goes to London for a day or two with that much luggage. So we're going to go burglarize his home. Right? You don't want that. So have a location that's on your bags. That is a third-party location, someplace that might be, maybe it's a family member where they're going to be home, so it looks like somebody's home, so it's not just an empty house. You don't want them (laughs) to get burglarized. They're like, gee, thanks. The guy thought you were gone, so he burglarized us instead. No, no thank you. 
right? So, so kind of keep that in mind. You want to have somebody somewhere that if you're stuck overseas and they deliver the bag back, maybe you're on a cruise, well, they're not going to fly your suitcase to you in the middle of the ocean. They'll just send it back. So you want somebody to be there and not just have it sit at the front doorstep and let those porch pirates come and steal it. So I have it sent to my office. You can put somebody else's name or address down there, but that's just an idea. Okay. The other part of this that, that is pretty important is the rules, right? You know, the three ounce or the four ounce rule and the, the white or the, the clear plastic bag. Uh, follow those rules, of course, but understand this. You can freeze water bottles to a solid and then take that solid on the plane with you. Right? You can get through security. What you do is you take a water bottle. I would freeze it in two days. I did it the night before once, and we had to leave early, and it didn't completely freeze, and so you kind of lost it all. But I took that that uh, water bottle, let it sit in the freezer for a couple of days. It'll freeze solid. I wrap it in some of my clothes or maybe a, a, a paper towel or something, put it in my suitcase, go through the airport, check in, get into security, open it up, Take any last little remnants of liquid water, take it out of your bag, and set it on the carousel. Because your retirement life is a lot better when you're not spending $5 for a 16-ounce bottle of water, isn't it? Because here's the other thing. When you go through security, I want you to buy at least one or two bottles because they took all your liquid and your frozen water bottle isn't going to unfreeze very quickly. You could run it under hot water in the bathroom. I've done those kind of things in the past. But I want you to buy one or two water bottles because you always want to have water. You do that right away as soon as you get through security. Okay? I've been stuck on planes on a hot tarmac where there wasn't anybody to refuel us and everybody was thirsty and they've run out of water. Right? Things happen. I want you to always have water. You can live without food for a few days. You can't live without water, especially if it's real hot. Not for very long. So have your own water bottles. I like the idea of freezing them. And there isn't just one. You you can have two or three or four. You just take them out and put them in their own little uh, container. And you tell them, hey, excuse me, sir, I have water. It's frozen. It's, It's ice going through. Oh, okay. Okay. Love it. It's one of my favorites because that saves a lot of money. The other part of it that matters, uh, nowadays it's a little bit less. But sometimes when you're flying coach, they might still charge you for movies. Right? Especially, what is it, Spirit or... JetBlue, which one is the one where you pay to breathe and you pay for the oxygen mask and and you pay for the pillow and uh, whatever it is, uh, they're definitely going to charge you. But bring your own tablet or your phone, download Netflix or Prime Video or Hulu. You can download your own videos. There's a couple other apps. Download them the night before and double check them. You can do them a couple of days ahead of time because sometimes they will tell you they're downloading, but they never actually do. They get glitchy because it's a lot of data. I've done it where I got on the plane. I'm all set to go for a long trip and nothing ever downloaded. I went, oh, man, are you kidding me? So then you're stuck watching whatever they have, which is usually fine, except they always interrupt. Hi, yeah, we just want to remind you to keep your seatbelt on. Great. Do you mind? We were getting to the point where... You know, the bad guy was going to get caught, so you got to be careful. All right, uh, a couple others. Here's something that I want to make sure you know. If you are flying on a long flight, I have seen people do this, and and I've had it happen to our clients. 
remember, part of a comfortable and a happy retirement for many of you is to include traveling. Why make it so it's a headache? Why make it so that it's more of a chore and you just say, never mind, I'm not going to do this. What a mess. Well, you learn things like this, and here's one of them. When you put your bag above the, the seat in front of you, above the, the seat uh, a compartment, right? The overhead. I don't want your valuables being in there. Right? Your money, your passport, your ID. Have, an, have two shirts on, like an outside shirt, right? Well, one of those fishing shirts. I travel a lot with that. You'll see me wear that. Or a suit coat. And I put it on the inside of my suit coat and I keep that on or keep that at my at my seat. Right? I don't want you to take or, or have a small bag that could be underneath your feet or next to your, ba- uh, your, your, your seat. Because if you put over the head uh, compartment your valuables in the outside of pocket, because pocket, people do that. They put their watch. They put their AirPods, anything that's valuable. And when you do that and then you go to sleep. And another guy comes and he's, quote, looking for his bag, but he accidentally, because if he gets caught, he's going to say, oh, I thought it was my bag. Oh, it looks just like my bag. You know that. Up until the moment he takes your stuff and puts it in his pocket. They have backup plans. They have quick words. They have ways to say things. While you're asleep, a lot of the times that's how these guys are stealing. They go through rifle through your bags. But if it's next to you, you have a better shot of keeping your money, your ID, your passport safe next to you. All right? Very big deal because I don't want your your uh, place uh, your trip to be ruined. The other part of it is and, and I started seeing this and we put our foot down a long time ago uh, and it was a big big deal. Uh, I'll give you an example. When you check into the hotel, I'll give you a couple of hotel tips. When you check into the hotel internationally, sometimes they will ask to hold your passport. I know cruise ships did this. And I remember saying, no, you're not going to get my passport. Well, we need it. No, you don't. You can have a copy of it. But I don't give my passport to anybody. My dad taught me that when I was 13 years old in Buenos Aires. He said, you don't give your passport to anybody. You hold on to it. If you leave the hotel, it is in your pocket. Always. Your passport is with you. Oh, very big deal. So I remember checking into uh, hotels and in certain countries and they say, we're hold on to your passport. I said, no, you don't, you don't do that. Well, that's what we do. No, no, you, the answer is no, you will not get my passport. You can take a picture of it. I don't mind. Scan it, whatever you need to do. Because if there's an emergency or a problem or you need to get out of the country, uh, right? Or, or you get in a car accident, it's the only thing you have. You don't speak the language. This is important. What nationality are you? You're unconscious. These things matter. All right, another thing to a hotel check-in, I want you to find the exit right away. And you count. Six doors down to the left, that's the stairs. Eight doors down to the right, that's the stairs. Because if it's smoky or if it's dark and you can't see and you need to count doors, you need to figure that out. We taught all of our kids this stuff. Maybe it sounds a little paranoid. I don't know if it does. I hope not. Right? That's what we do. I think a part of that is, is just to be prepared so that you can know what's happening. If you travel enough, you're going to encounter something. There's always something. There's always a problem somewhere. Right? Today, all of our flashlights, all of our phones rather have flashlights. We used to carry a small little flashlight because if you're in the dark stairwell or if you're in a hotel and it's at nighttime and the lights go out and you need to evacuate or something, it's nice to have a flashlight. 
And then lastly, when you are traveling and you have a bank credit card or debit card, something like that, you need to know, uh, notify the bank or the credit union, the credit card. There's a phone number on the back when you're traveling and you call them. Say, hey, I'm going to be going to these uh, countries. Here are the dates that I'm going to be in these countries. And you might take two different banking institutions credit cards. So, and you notify both of them. And you don't keep them together. You keep one in the hotel safe, maybe one in a safe place on your person, and one you might use. But if it's compromised, you have a secondary one. I will tell you, and again, American Express, just like uh, one of my favorite banks, Old Glory Bank, right? Old Glory Bank is, doesn't pay us. I love them. Consider them. It's owned by John Rich, Big and Rich, Larry Elder, Ben Carson, a lady that was the former two-term governor. She termed out. She was still very popular, but you can only run twice in Oklahoma. So Old Glory Bank is located in Oklahoma. Why do I like them? It's very simple. You let them know. Here's what happened. But who do I love when it comes to credit cards is American Express. I've had friends that have had their credit card stolen. They literally were driving through Rome, stopped at a stoplight. A guy comes, opens the passenger door, reaches down where her her purse was, just grabs it and runs. In the middle of traffic, runs through, in and out of cars. What are you going to do? Right? It's an older lady, so she's not going to chase him. And the guy is driving the car, and he's not going to chase anybody. Within seconds, they disappeared between houses and cars and buildings, and you're gone. It's gone. Well, everything was in there, passports and, and money. So if you're going to carry this stuff on you like you should, as far as passports go, you got to think twice. Lock your doors, keep it safe, keep it in between you and your, your passenger or driver. Don't keep it next to the door. Little things like that. I prefer you keep things on your person. Ladies today are not carrying purses as much as you used to. You know that. Right? Those handbags are not there as much. Now it's their, it's your phone, it's your phone wallet, it's in your pocket, it's in your hand you're carrying. It's different, a little bit different. So letting your banks know. And if you lost your credit card, American Express sends one often, especially in the big cities, they'll have it to you within 12 to 24 hours. And I will tell you, they have locations all around the world. All around the world. They have them in places where I've had friends who were on safari and uh, their credit card was was missing, it was gone. They're on safari, they're leaving the next afternoon to another another country. And that morning it was taken. And the next morning, there's a knock on the door and the American Express card arrives. With cash, by the way. They said, oh, just in case, we figured you also needed some cash. So... Here with $500 cash and American Express card. We're sorry that you had your stuff stolen. This will help you get started. Sign here, and the courier leaves, and they had the money as they were going on a safari in the middle of Africa. So, yes, they cost money. Yes, you have to pay annual fees. I get it. But it's just my two cents of why I think they still... uh, It's worth it if you're going to travel. So just some travel tips. I know with the holidays coming up, you might be doing something fun. I think it's worth it to have that as part of your life because you have a uh, 
you know, you're supposed to have this part of your life that's supposed to be fun, right? You're supposed to have a part of your life that gives you experiences. For a lot of you, that's how you define wealth. It's experiences and relationships. So you've heard me say, what is your perfect day? Tell me what that looks like. Often your perfect day includes people and experiences, relationships. So learn how to make those less stressful. Learn how to make them more systematic and more fun. Then you can use that, oh gosh, what we call spontaneity, right? You use that spontaneity in other parts of your relationship. Use that spontaneity in places where you can go out and learn things and make differences. Right? Sometimes taking the road less traveled, as they say. Sometimes taking that road or that, that, that direction where you go and learn. But we did that once walking through Scotland. It was my wife. It was probably, well, it was seven years, eight years ago, because it was our 25th wedding anniversary. And we're walking down this road somewhere in Scotland, maybe Glasgow, I don't recall, Edinburgh. And we're walking left and right and just started walking. Before you know it, we came in this glass blowing store. And you walk in, and and the garage was in a complete glass-blowing studio. And then they had the sales portion up in the front. And you looked at these pieces. They were museum-quality, exquisite. And they were certainly museum prices. And come to find out, we had stumbled upon one of the famous men who who is a glass-blower many generations deep. And this was his local factory and ships around the world and on and on. No, very, very uh, well known in uh, many collections, famous people's collections and royalty and and uh, the monarchs of many countries had this man's. We stumbled upon it. What an experience. So keep that in mind as part of your life that you want those experiences. It doesn't always have to cost a lot of money. Money gives you the freedom, the choices. You'll hear celebrities will talk about this on a regular basis. They say things like, okay, Arif, what exactly am I going to do with this much more money? Sometimes people say that. Arif, I have a retirement account. I am forced to take a required minimum distribution. I don't need the money. I don't want the money. It's just taxable. So I say, well, well, very good. Here are some amazing organizations you can donate it to. What matters to you? Well, Eric, I love uh, dogs. We had a lady recently who wanted to donate to veterans that taught dogs. Uh, organizations that kind of worked with special or um, emotionally support animals. I don't know the right terms. So that the emotional support animals would help veterans. Veterans would actually teach them. They would work together. They were both in classes. What an amazing legacy to leave for her family. We've had folks that say, I want to donate to the hospital. I will tell you a special place in my heart that kept my dad alive for a very long time, for probably a decade plus, is Providence Holy Cross Hospital. Okay, Arif, you know, one time I had... I don't care. Listen, I don't care what you say. You saved my dad's life, like the men and women at Providence, in the emergency room, I don't know how many times. The cath lab, I don't know how many times. 
right, for a decade, and you gave us 10 more years with him, oh my gosh, uh, you are a place that is forever I'm indebted to. I know what kind of work they do on the inside. I sit on the board now. Right? I know what, I've been there. So do you care about that kind of treatment? Look, they'll accept your money. There's a lot of great things. How about special needs children? How about veterans that are disabled and they want to build homes for them, homes for heroes? Habitat for Humanity has some amazing organizations that they're a part of. So my point is, some of you are getting those required minimum distributions, and it can complicate this part of your life. Eric, all I want to do is travel. Eric, all I want to do, great. You can set up a donation directly from the required minimum distribution. Instead of receiving the funds, paying taxes on it, having it increase your Social Security, having it do some other things that make it make you ineligible to receive uh, discount Medicare payments, on and on. If you're intent on donating it anyway, and it's coming in the front door, don't ever accept it. You can now count, the Trump administration passed this rule, where you can count that donation where it comes directly from the 401k, IRA, to the charity or the nonprofit, as long as you book it properly and make sure you do it right. If you work with us, we make sure it's done properly. We work with your CPA, your tax preparer. The forms have to be done right. And it does not increase your tax bracket. Because some of you know, Medicare, your Medicare payments, instead of $170 for some of you, it's $400 a month. You do the math and see thousands of dollars a year because you took a payment that you were old eight anyway. You might as well just not have accepted it and sent it directly. You could have done that. If your financial professional isn't telling you those things, then maybe give us a try. Maybe it's just a second opinion if I can help you. It happens probably once a day, once every couple of days, somebody comes in and I say, oh, I like exactly what you have. There's nothing I can do for you. Well, what do you think, Arif, about this? I go, I think you're great. I wouldn't make any changes. I think you're right on track. They go, what do you mean? I said, I like where you are. Financially speaking, I wouldn't make, I wouldn't change a thing. You know, I think your family is going to be fine. I think what you want to do with this money is fine. I'm right on track with it. I, I like it. That second opinion, what kind of comfort does that give you? What kind of peace of mind does that give you? Triple eight ninety nine retire. That's what we do. If I can help you, stay tuned after the top of the hour. Your emails. I have some email questions, some fascinating ones. I think you're going to find at least one of them very interesting. That's going to change your life and make a difference. Arif at tfswealth.com. That's Arif at tfswealth.com. That's my email address. Send your email questions, and I'll get to them best I can. I'll even put them on the air. And hopefully make you have, well, a better retirement, right? That's what we're all about. Triple eight ninety nine retire Thanks for being part of the show. I'm Arif Hallaby. Have a blessed week. Now Arif has a plan for me. Higher income strategy. I'll retire comfortably. Thanks to Arif Hallaby. Financial security will help you live the life you
your dreams. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Hey, welcome back. Thanks for staying with me. Arab Halaby. Total Financial Hour, your place for news, talk, and information. We're talking about your family's finances, of course, getting out of debt, managing money. What's going on to the nation? How does it affect you, financially speaking and otherwise? Well, you send me your emails. And when you do that, I get a chance to read them and answer them. Sometimes I'll answer them directly to you. Sometimes if it fits with what we're talking about and if it makes a difference to others, I will answer it right here on the air. And I think that's a good service that you do for others. So thank you for reaching out. Thank you for doing that. It makes a big difference in the lives of other people who might be struggling with the same ideas or same questions. And it helps me to know what you're thinking as well. Send me your emails at Arif, A-R-I-F, at TFSWealth.com. So Arif, A-R-I-F, at TFSWealth, is in a lot of money, dot com. Okay, guys, uh, this is an interesting email. This is from Jim, and I, and we're finding it more and more as people are uh, finding their lives different than they originally planned, right? You know that? Things change. You, you grow up, you get married, you think life is going to be a certain way. Well, things change, don't they? Well, let's talk about that here. Dear Arif, I'm a single dad. I'm 50 years old. I have two boys. I've always wanted to teach them about the proper use of money. Now, that includes the ability to earn enough money to save for their own future. Is there any advice you can give on teaching two teenagers, the value of saving. I want them to learn from my personal accounts as well. And we are very open about those kind of topics in our family. I have $625,000 in my old company retirement account. It's called a 401k. And I would like to do something with it. My new company has a plan as well. I only have around $22,000 in it, and it's in various mutual funds. I plan on staying at this company for the rest of my career. That's about 20 more years. That means he's going to work. Let's say, to taking a pause there for a second, guys. That means he's going to work for about uh, 20 years. That gives him about age 70, okay? So you'll see why that matters. I'm sure he probably did the math and why he, why he brings that up like that. All right, continuing with Jim. My goal is to have this account create income for me for as long as I uh, as long as I live and when I start social security both beginning at age 70 All right, let's see here. I have enough money for emergencies around $90,000 sitting in my savings account. My goal is to move one more time and buy a different house. I'm not sure where or what, but I don't think I will live here through retirement. I don't know, should I keep this house or sell it? I should have enough money for the down payment when that time comes. Okay, let's answer Jim's email, guys. Let's take a look at what we have. So let's break it down. We got a couple of things. We have a a single dad of two teenage boys. His goal is to teach them. That's nice. His goal is to teach them financial well-being. Look, it in the old days, I mean a hundred years ago, not forever, just a hundred, hundred and twenty years ago, if you were a plumber, your son was expected to be, think about it, a plumber. So your son would start helping you. Hand me that tool. What tool? Well, this is called a wrench. This is called a screwdriver. On and on. Your son would learn. 
He would be with you after school, maybe during the summers, during the weekends, holidays. He would help, and eventually through being uh, through a program called an apprentice program, sometimes two or three years, then become a journeyman, meaning he or she has their own tools and can do their own work. Both things are required, the tools and the knowledge. So there used to be schools that were put in place for young people that wanted to do this but didn't grow up in a household where dad was a plumber. So they would go to school. They would become an apprentice. Somebody would hire them, often at a way lower wage than they would learn uh, that they would earn if they were a journeyman. And then over time, one, two, four years, whatever the plan was, whatever the, the, the structure was, they would become a journeyman. And along that way, they would acquire tools. And most journeymen would, through various ways, thanks for helping out with that tough job. It is your six-month anniversary. They would give the, that person a tool. You wouldn't buy them a chocolate cake. You would give them a tool. And that tool that you gave them was to allow them to fish for their own food someday. You get it? Give a man a fish, teach a man to fish. You can't teach a man to fish and then take away his fishing pole and say, well, go fish. So the teach a man to fish came with a second component, which is giving them the tools. So a good journeyman goes along and mentors young people and every once in a while might provide them a tool. Every once in a while might give them a hand-me-down or the, I have three of these so you can have one. Right? Okay. How does a dad do it today where kids are going to go on and do other things, other career choices, but how do you still give them the tools? Well, you do it because today we are all paid with money. Now, Jim, I'll get to how to teach them a little bit and how to teach them in a little bit, but I think you need to be clear on this. The rules have changed. It's no longer you just went to school and became really good at being a plumber. So when I needed plumbing done, I gave you a bushel of wheat. It doesn't work that way. I have to sell my wheat for dollars, get my dollars. You come over, you do plumbing work, you sell your plumbing for dollars, I give you those dollars, then you go and get to buy your own goods and services. Buy chickens and pay your electric bill and on and on. So that that shift where the skill set made all the difference to your financial well-being, your status in life was how good you were at your career. Today, it is not about that. Today, you can be an amazing artist, an incredible painter. You can be an amazing plumber. I mean, gosh, darn it. You are somebody who really knows plumbing, but mismanage your money and you're broke. You're broke. Right. Is McDonald's in the hamburger business? No, they are in the real estate. They are in the franchise business. They sell supplies, straws and buns and cups. To the other franchises, the franchisers are guaranteed consumers of the corporation of McDonald's products and services. The the, the hamburger is just a, a tool to raise revenue so that McDonald's can collect, stay with me, the rent. Get it? There are some hamburger chains that are in the hamburger business. That means they want the best quality hamburger. That's all they focus on. Now, there isn't one on every block. There's one. You know them. Or two. There was one I used to go to. I think it was called John's Hamburgers. It's in the San Fernando Valley. An amazing place. But there was one 
Always a line if you didn't get there early. One. So I think you have to realize that some businesses, some people are in different businesses. It might look the same. Oh, that's a hamburger restaurant. That's a hamburger restaurant. No, no, no. One is in the real estate business. One is in the hamburger business. So ask yourself this, Jim. If you're going to teach your kids, what business do you want them to be in? I think you should teach them to manage their own money because today, that's how we are paid. Because today, everybody is paid in dollars. Whether you have a high school GED or a high school or or a college PhD, both of those people go to work and they are paid in dollars. Why is it that some people come to my office, they make $20,000 a month and they're broke? Arif, I don't know how to live. How do people live in the Santa Clarita Valley? How do people live in Southern California, Glendale, Burbank? How, how do they live in Whittier where, where they're only making 20000 a month? Arif, it doesn't make sense. I'm, I can barely get by. And there are other people that make six or 8000 a month and they're living wonderfully. They have a happy life. They travel. They live life comfortably. They do things. I, I'm not saying one is right and one is wrong. I'm saying one is in the hamburger business and one is in the money business. Right? So I want you to learn how to be in the money business. That means how to manage what you get so that you can live the life you want to live, so you can be what you want to be and, and create what you want to create. Okay, that's a very important component to this. All right, he's not going to, Jim is not going to start income until age 80. That means, uh, age 70 rather. That means I have 20 years to take and to build this account. All right. So what would I do? So for a lot of you, these company plans, these company retirement plans that you have at your job, you're allowed to borrow for any reason. I want you to only borrow for emergencies, but you can borrow for any reason half of what's in that company plan up to $50,000. So that means if you have $30,000 in your company retirement plan, you can borrow half or 15000 If you have $80,000 in your company plan and you want to or need to, you can borrow $40,000. That's half. If you have $100,000, you can borrow $50,000. What if you have $300,000 in that plan? Yep, $50,000. That's the maximum. So it doesn't matter what you have after $100,000. The most you can ever borrow is $50,000. Period. All right. So what do I want you to do? Now, first of all, you have to still be working there. If you have a loan by an old company, you have to pay it back or it becomes a taxable event. So if you have an old company, you used to work there, you borrowed money two years ago, you left, you have to continue paying that back or whatever's left that you didn't pay back is now given to you in a 1099. Okay, what if you didn't borrow, you have an old company plan, now you're working somewhere else and you say, hey, I want to borrow that money. Sorry, you cannot borrow that money because you're not working at that company. So here's what we do. Jim, I'd like you to take about $100,000 and you roll over, you take $100,000 from your old retirement plan and roll it into the new retirement plan. So immediately the balance in the new retirement plan is $122,000. So you can borrow, if you want, half or $50,000. So it's just kind of a backup plan. It's just an emergency plan. Maybe you don't need it. Maybe you do. 
Maybe it's part of what you use as a down payment on your next house someday because you can only borrow from a plan in which you are an active employee. So what do we do with the other 550000 I would put that into an indexed annuity. Now, some of you are like, he always brings up indexed annuities. True, it's kind of like a mechanic that repairs BMWs is always going to tell you about, guess what, BMWs. But my main core component and the products we use are about safety first. So there's other things. There's CDs, there's money markets, there's savings accounts, there's credit unions. There's other products and services that we would recommend. But safety is the first priority, not losing money when the market goes backwards. So here's what I would do, Jim. By moving 550000 over, when you turn 70 years old, 20 years from now, that account should give you in the neighborhood of 80000 to $100,000 a year in income for the rest of your life. Now, 20 years from now, maybe it's worth half of that, but it, wouldn't it be nice to have a $50,000 a year pension someday? Yeah. Perfect. So that's the job of this money. The job of that 550000 is to give you a lifetime income stream. Now, you can start income payments from that annuity later on and then stop it or or if you pass away, whatever's left goes to the kids or whoever you want it to go to. A lot of people are coming in lately and thinking that if they start income from an annuity, they give up the principal, meaning they give up the account and say, that's it. I had $100,000. I started income. I get nothing else. No, that is not true. Now, if you annuitize an annuity, then yes, it's true. But most of the time, you don't have to annuitize an annuity. In fact, I want to say one time I've done it in 27 years. <laughs> once, maybe. Maybe twice, but I, but once I know for sure. I still have that lady come in. We still talk, and she's still collecting her $500 a month from that account. So she's done really well. And you can always separate out these accounts into those two different buckets later on down the road if you want to annuitize it. But right now, that's not what I would do. Right now, I would put 550000 into a 10-year account. You have 20 years. Let it keep growing even after the time that you select, 8, 7, 10 years, 9 years, whatever. It grows, it grows, it grows. And if the market is negative, it stays flat. What kind of fees do I pay, Arif? No fees. Ha, ha, ha. You don't work for free. You are right. We do not. The company's going to always make more than it gives you. Did you know that? I know it's not a shock, but, but companies are in this business to make money. And that's how we are paid. So they're going to make more than they give you. That's how they survive. That's how they pay us. But we do not take fees from your account. If you put in 550000 Jim, tomorrow it still says... 550000 If they gave you a deposit bonus, then you might even have more money in that account. Six hundred, seven hundred thousand, but it's added to the principal. So let's recap. What's the job of this money? By moving over $100,000, it provides the opportunity for you to borrow from it later on, if you need it. If you don't, that's fine. But it does give you the ability to borrow from it. All right. Now, what about the literacy, the financial literacy for the kids? Guys, you have heard me recommend in the past a book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Robert Kiyosaki. He was speaking once and said, uh, a lady came up to him afterwards and said, this is not a very well-written book. I'm an English teacher from XYZ College. 
and I was asked to come here, and I just want to tell you, I read this book, and it's not a very well-written book. <laughs> he said, uh, ma'am, with all due respect, what does that cover say? It says, number one best-selling author, number one best-selling book. Do you see that right there? Didn't said best. didn't say best-written book. It said best-selling book. If I wanted to write a best-written book, I promise you it would have never sold. Not like this. And he was kind enough and then walked away. So I, I get it. Listen, you're going to have your own little commentary on it. That's fine. It changed my life. So much so that my wife and I started a scholarship fund for, that ran for many years. It was a four-year scholarship for strangers' kids to go to college. And that's important because it wasn't my kids. Too. They were babies still. But we did it because that book, in our, in the honor of that book, and in my parents' honor, we wanted to start a scholarship fund to help those that might have needed just a little bit of help. And it was character-based. Someday, maybe I'll tell you more of the details. I think it's a great idea. I heard it from somebody else. Somebody else did it for their sister who had passed away from leukemia. And I was still broke and still learning and still growing in financial world. And I remember hearing about it and I said, one day I want to do something like that. That's a great idea. So we modified it a little bit and we started it based on, on his idea. So I thought that was great. So I want you to read, uh, I want the kids to read the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Okay, not once, but probably twice because it took me a couple times to get it. It changed my financial life, really increased our income and did a very big number on the way I think. And here's the other part. The kids need to start a small business. Just like you guys need to start a small business. Oh, Arif, I'm retired. I'm done. Okay, may I tell you something? I never want you to, quote, be done. I always want you to have a small business. Something somewhere, it might be your real estate business, it might be a handcraft business, whatever it is that you are doing, I need it to be a small business. And you meet with your CPA and your tax advisors and you talk to them and here's why. Because the whole idea about wealth in America and success is built around the tax code. And the tax code is written by small business owners. And small business owners wrote, rule the world, financially speaking. Okay, Because who, writes the, who, who uh, writes the rules? Rich or poor people? Yeah. And they create great benefits if you do it correctly. So that's what I need you to do. I need you to understand that rule. I need you to understand how the system works. And I want the kids to know what's possible. Look, Jim, you can teach them some things. That's what you're good at, of course. Even, some, even a lot of things. But you work for a company. So teaching the kids entrepreneurship is probably not your strength. Right? Teaching them to be their own boss, probably not your thing. Save a million dollars before you're 40 years old, probably not your thing. But you can guide with values and with character and guidelines, right? You can guide and, and direct them in the, in the direction where you can at least build the curiosity and build the right thinking. So make sure they're reading books by Rich Dad, Poor Dad, the other, uh, by Robert Kiyosaki. Rich Dad, Poor Dad is a great beginning. There's other books that are specifically designed for kids. You decide, you know, what the uh, 
maturity level and intellectual level of your children are. There's a there's a kids rich dad poor dad version too, uh, but I think it it goes more towards the age of eh, twelve or something, ten or twelve years old, maybe eight or twelve. Um, you just decide what their intellectual ability is. Okay, here's the other thing I want you to do. Remember, I told you to start a small business. I want them to be okay with failing. So you have to look back the way you've raised them and see if you've given them permission to fail at something. Because if you have and you've given permission to, for them to quit something, then they understand that their skill set and their ability is different than the other child and it's different than yours and it's different than their best friend down the street. And by doing that, they get a chance to try. They can go this way, nope, this way, yes, this way, nope, this way, yeah, up, oh, got it. Because they might start a small business in one area, right? Uh, making something that that is going to work for, uh, I'll give you a good example. I had a, a friend who was a fly fisherman and he was a kid, he was a high school kid and he would make these, tie, he'd tie these flies and people were paying $100, $200 for these flies. They were amazing. They worked very well. However it was, he figured it out. He used whatever material. And he used that money. Ready? Follow me. He loved it. He was good enough. He used that money to pay for flying lessons. Then he used the flying lessons... And he did something pretty amazing. He joined the U.S. Air Force. And in the U.S. Air Force, he became a fighter pilot. Now, after college, joining the Air Force, becoming a fighter pilot, and uh, guess what? He now fly fishes and ties flies and sells them now and again. And he's a pilot. I won't tell you where he flies because you might ultimately figured out. But you see how you can use your passion to fuel another passion. He may not decide I'm going to ever be the best fly fisherman in the history of mankind, but I can tie flies good enough to save money to do something else. Right. So all of that to say, give them permission to fail. Give them permission to change their mind. Give them permission to stop, back up, and go forward and try a different direction. And men, I want you to treat your daughters the same. Right? Women, I want you to treat your daughters the same. I don't want you to put your sons down as if they're, they're especially if they're white, some of you woke women, right? The, the school boards are being ruined by woke women. Take a look at, at the ladies. Uh, take a look at the people in these transgender, crazy strip club uh, things they call... Uh, teaching with a transgender, transvestite, whatever they call them, right? Look at your child in there. Who do you think is in there? A strong man who's a construction worker? A man who's an attorney, a business leader? Um, No, no, a woman who is guilty about whatever, single mom usually, usually divorced, usually hates men. (laughs) I mean, this is all a stereotype. I know it, but just check it out and see. And they take the innocence of their poor child and they put them in this crazy room. So men and women, give your daughters permission to be strong. Give them permission to succeed and to fail. 
And then they open up their small business and then surprise, they're going to take a chance. They'll start down one road, make a mistake, back up, try again. Before you know it, a fly fisherman turns into a pilot or a kid that used to do things for his skateboard, another one of our clients, later became one of the top manufacturers in aerospace of the particular part that he he makes. Makes seven figures a year. And he started doing things in his garage for skateboards, which led him to here, which led him to there, which led him to manufacturing, okay? So do you see what I'm saying? Stay with me after the break. I have your emails. I'm Arif Hallaby. Triple eight ninety nine retire. That's eight 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 nine nine seven three eight four seven. Stay with me. A very interesting, a bit of a sad email, but I have some hope when we come back. I'm Eric Hallaby. We'll be right back. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Hallaby. Hey, welcome back. Thanks for staying with me. Arab Hallaby, the total financial hour, your place for news, talk, and information. AM 870, the answer. Thanks for being part of the show. I appreciate it when you send in your emails as well. Arif at TFSWealth.com. Arif, A-R-I-F, at TFSWealth.com. And uh, you guys had a lot of great things to say about our uh, recent interview with uh, Dr. Jeffrey Tipton. So I appreciate that. It was a great experience to interview him and be a part, have him be a part of the show a few weeks back. So so thanks for being a part of the show, uh, listening and, and sending in your comments. All right. This is, uh, I hesitated bringing this to you because it's it's a little sad. And um, so I want to preface it knowing that you know it's sad and, and I know it is uh, because it's a real person, right? These are real people. And uh, I think you have to be okay with that, that, that real people suffer and real people have pain and real people are scared financially. So it's okay to be scared financially. It's okay to be unsure. Right, a lot of people go through that part of their lives, and and that's that's part of life. What I don't want you to do is to be in a sinking boat, and instead of trying to repair the holes or bail out the the water, some of you just keep putting holes in the boat. I say, you know, right? The old adage: when you're in a hole, stop digging. You know, don't make things worse. You know, I can give you a bunch of little stories that people have said over the years to make it clear to you. But the the bottom line is if you're in a bad situation, financially, you stop the things that are leading to the, wait for it, the bad situation. Okay. So kind of keep that in mind when we go through this next email, I don't want you to make dumb decisions on top of dumb decisions because you're the one that's going to suffer at the end. All right. This is from Jen. Dear Arif, I've been married 42 years, and I have just found out that my husband has been a phony all of these years. He lied about his faith, he lied about our finances, and he lied about his day-to-day activities. I'm unsure how to begin the rest of my life, financially speaking. It has been about a year, and the settlement I just received is about $780,000. 
That includes the money from the sale of the house and the disbursement of our retirement accounts. I have my three children, but I do not want to live with any of them. They have all offered. They're all good people, but they have their own lives. And I want to try to do this on my own. Should I buy or rent, continue to rent? I'm currently 63 years old and I'm scared about retirement. My social security income is going to be around $2,800, but at the age of 70. I currently earn about $60,000 a year and my company has a retirement plan called a 401k. I think I'm going to have to work at least until age 70. And I know my future is going to be very different than what I thought it was going to be just a few years ago. Thank you in advance for your advice. I hope you can help. All right, guys. That's Jen. I told you it was going to be a little sad, huh? Sorry about that. But there's hope. And I'll tell you why there's hope. There's hope for a few reasons. There's hope because there's answers to this dilemma. But I want to start by clarifying some of this because some of you might find yourself in this situation or soon will find yourself in this situation. I'm not going to go into the reasons that uh, he was a phony about his faith or, or a phony or his day-to-day activities. That's, that's her own personal things. Uh, you're certainly privileged to allow your own uh, imagination to run wild, but he was just a dishonest person apparently. Uh, and also you're going to say this, and I'm, I'm not going to blame you because I'm going to think the same thing. 42 years is a long time to play cover up because somewhere in there, she must have known something or even a lot of things. Sometimes ladies, you guys think you can change him, right? I'm going to change him. He's a good man underneath all of that. He's a good man underneath this. And, and if you really got to know him and when he wasn't drinking and when he wasn't this and when he wasn't that, so, so. There's all sorts of ways and things that people do to cover up, to hide, to kind of create stories, but we're not going to talk about that. I want to talk instead about the financial part of it, because I think part of this is important for you and for me to understand. And it's this, she's going to have to work till age 70. There is no question about that. And maybe beyond. Because currently she earns 60000 a year, which means she can at least make 60000 Now maybe, maybe she's pulling money out of that 780 to live on each year, but I'm not, she didn't indicate that. So, so let's say she needs $60,000 a year to live on. That's 5000 a month. Social Security is 2800 a month. Well, we need the other monies. What are we going to do with that? We're going to need another $2,200 a month to come from somewhere. That's going to be part of the retirement account, isn't it? So I want to be able to set that aside. We're going to have to let it grow. Now, you guys, let's, let's be clear on a couple of things. You might have heard of something called a qualified domestic relations order, QDRO, also known as a quadro. All right, a quadro comes into play for example, when you have a pension plan or a 401k where the assets are divided, you get 200000 I get 100 We get 50-50, we get 70-30. Whatever it is, and it's divided, 
those dollars that are in there that are divided, okay, pretty important, those dollars that are divided need to be approved by a judge or you will be taxed on it. Need to be approved by a judge or you're going to get slammed on it in taxes and and in in, uh, penalties and stuff. So I don't want you to make that mistake. Right? People do, and it's it's a, not a small mistake. So make sure you do it properly. Make sure it goes from company to company. A good financial professional knows how to complete these forms properly, knows how to notify companies, uh, knows how to have a, a professional quadro. Sometimes they're paralegals. Uh, rarely are they law offices. Many of you will have an attorney do your quadro, but your attorney does not do it. I've never seen it anyway. They hire a service who only does quadros. So you can go to the company, the service, you know, by yourself. We know a couple, any financial professional that is worth their salt knows one or two or three, four good quadro firms. So if you hire, if you tell your attorney to do it and they're going to charge you for it, they add more to the fee. So they take some and you take some. What does a normal quadro cost? Probably less than $750 or so. I know you're going to say, Eric, that's crazy because my attorney just charged me $2,000. I just told you the attorney's going to take a piece on the top of it for doing nothing, just passing it on to the quadro company. So there's a lot of good quadro companies. Do your research and make sure you can go directly to them. It will save you. Well, at least a thousand, two thousand dollars or more per quadro. You know, if he worked at Disney and then Boeing and all of those organizations need a quadro, so there's going to be multiple ones. But if you're just doing it from an IRA, an individual retirement account, where you're separating my money, your money, right? You keep this one, I keep that one. You keep this one, I keep that one. Then you're not going to need a quadro because a quadro has in it a whole series of uh, instructions, legal instructions that allow the company that's releasing the funds to, to do it the right way and not get in trouble because they can, they can get in trouble if they do it wrong. Right? So it passes the buck. Everything is about finding somebody else to blame for it. Right? That's what it's about. So that's important. All right? Keep that in mind. you should be doing a couple of things. Number one, ask yourself this. When I leave the marriage, if I leave the marriage, how do I have to plan financially to not be homeless? Now, according to uh, many layers of statistics, you need to ask yourself this. Why is it that the number one cause for poverty is a single mother having a child out of wedlock, right? A a woman having a child, a teenager especially, a young woman having a child out of wedlock. That seems to be the reason that moves people into poverty. What is another reason? Well, this is my experience, 27 years, I'll tell you. Simple enough, just my observations, my experience. It's women that divorce later on in life. Kids are gone, good or bad relationship with them, right? Because usually one or two kids, three kids, one of them takes my side, two his side, her side, his side, our side. And the kids get involved. Now you don't have the support. You can't see your grandchildren. So 
men or women, but it seems to be today because I'm dealing with a lot of ladies in their 60s and 70s. When the divorce comes, if it comes, you have to protect yourself. So what I need you to do, even if you're in a yucky marriage and you're planning on leaving soon, get your skills set up. Go back to school. Get that license again. You had a nursing license. Go back and get it. Renew things. Get that uh, certification. Whatever it is, start preparing financially so that if you have to leave, you're not going to go and work for minimum wage at a burger place. Okay? I want you to get some skill set. I know it's scary. Take classes online. Do it on your cell phone. Do it in the middle of the day. Do it at night. You take classes. You get your certification. You go back to school. Become something that somebody says, I'm willing to pay her $25, $35, $55 an hour. You have a lot of experience. My gosh, you have a lot of skill set. And people forget. So here's what I need you to do. I'd like you to rent until you know where you want to live. Right? Which child is going to be on your side? Which grandchildren need you the most? What area do you want to live? Do you still want to live in the same neighborhood that you used to live in for so many years? Is your church or your organization still an important part of your life? Or is it time to find a different place to worship? You notice I didn't say none, nothing, or something. No, no, no. It's something or something. Here or there. Not here or nowhere. Because you need a supportive family, church family. You need that organizational structure of people that love and can uh, care for you unconditionally. Okay? That's important. And Jen, a big part of this is taking over your own destiny, financially speaking. I know it's scary to you. I know he always handled it because that's going to be the case for a lot of people. So you come in and you see somebody like myself or others. There's a lot of good people out there. It's not just us who will take the time to sit down with you and go over. Here's your account. Even if we're not making any money, right? That's very important. You realize that. Even if we are not being paid, we have an obligation as a financial profession to spend time with you. I don't mean six hours on a Sunday. No, no. I mean spend time to guide and direct, to educate, to point out. So if we can do that, that's what we do. We find a, you know, find a... a, an easy book to read to start out, right? So here's where I'm going with this. When you max out your 401k, that's going to reduce your paycheck. Uh Uh-oh, what do I do? Well, very important. By sending some of that money to the future, I want you to do what's called a Roth, R-O-T-H, a Roth 401k. Now, your employer is going to do a match, it sounds like. And if they do match... They, they do put money in, you put money in, they put money in. Their money has to be considered pre-tax, traditional. So, employer's money is a traditional 401k. That means you pay the tax later on. I want your contribution to be a Roth, R-O-T-H. That money goes in, and here's why that's important. Because when the Roth goes in, you will never pay taxes later on. And because your Social Security is not completely subject to income tax, only as a portion of it is later on at age 70, you can make a little less money and still live 
a very comfortable way. Right? In fact, you could probably live better on less money when you retire because you're not going to pay payroll tax. Because we're going to have some money come from the Roth. So by managing that a little bit, it's, it's great. It gives you that control. So what we would do is kind of teach you a little bit. Here's the difference between a Roth and a traditional. Here's what, is a, here, here's what a mutual fund is. Here's how you, you find out, you know, where do you want to invest? What does that look like? You do some of that research. The company that you work for will provide usually a website or, or an app on your phone, and you can get in there and play with that a little bit. And Jen, this is the big picture, ready? That $780,000 might seem like a lot of money, and I know you're going to be scared. A lot of people are. But we need to separate that into a couple of different buckets, right? One of those, post-tax money, probably what you received from the house. That means post-tax money, it's already been taxed, that sits off to one side. The other money is going to be the retirement money. Pre-tax means you haven't paid taxes on it yet. When you take it out, you will. Okay, maybe we do, actually maybe similar to what the last gentleman did. We'll take a portion of that and put that in your employer plan. Fifty, maybe a hundred thousand dollars, depending on how much of the seven eighty is pre-tax money. Put it into your four hundred one k. Here's why: because later on, if you need to access it and borrow it without creating a taxable event, then we can borrow up to fifty thousand dollars, fifty percent or fifty thousand, whatever is lower. So. You put money into your own 401k at work. You add money to it. You make sure all your eggs aren't in one basket, as they say. So if you trip and fall, you don't lose everything. Okay, very important. And then the other part of it is the, the money that comes from the sale of the house, that money's already been taxed. So we'll set it aside. We want emergency dollars in case there's an emergency. Maybe we'll buy a indexed universal life insurance policy that has a long-term care feature. So if you're sick, if later on in life you need help, you need care, you can hire somebody because your concern is to not be a burden to the children. I get it. Then at least you can pay for your own care or hire your own grandchild. Okay, so there's a, there's a way or, or have pay your daughter when she comes to help or something, right? You have the, the freedom. So I might take a portion, maybe 100000 something like that, Put that off into an index universal life, maybe buy a hundred dollars $250,000 policy. That would give you the freedom on that side. And then once you rent for a year or two and decide what side of town you want to live, even if you want to live in this area still, right? There's, where you live is, is a large enough community where you're not going to run into him if he stays. Right, you can live on the other side of town. I, I know your area well. And besides that, since he's the uh, he's the dingbat in the story, the same friends that you have are probably going to want to be your friend and be around you, and less likely to be around him. Just the way it goes. And if that's the case, well, listen, you can go and find many places to go, many places to live many places to uh, enjoy life and kind of create, if you will, a whole new you. 
63 is not, you know, super young, but it isn't old. <laughs> I mean, I get it, but you've got plenty of time to, to figure out what works for you. Plenty of time to figure out what matters to you. And you and your family can lay out the next part of your story. Here's a couple of uh, pointers. Number one, our clients are telling us single story. Buy that last home someplace you want to live. Think single story. All right. Three bedroom, two bath is a good start. Why? Because you might have room for grandchildren. You might need a home office. You might want a little home gym, whatever it might be. So at least a three bedroom so that you can have one of those places as a spare bedroom for grandchildren to come and visit. Kind of create a, a, a whole new tradition, whole new story to your life. That's important. Uh, and then the last thing is, if you ever decide to remarry, I know that's the last thing on your mind, but some of you ladies and uh, gentlemen are in different places. Consider a prenuptial agreement. It isn't just for the rich and famous. It isn't just for the fancy football players, baseball player, uh, Hollywood uh, celebrity wife, right? That kind of thing. It, it, it's for anybody. Anybody that has their own wealth, that wants to protect it, and wants to give it to the next generation, their next generation. Because here's what happens. If you don't build your own trust and have your own uh, prenuptial agreement, and you're married, and you pass away, your money goes to your husband. And then your husband gives it to his new wife, <laughs> or his kids, or his grandkids, from his side of the family. And all the money that you earned, or that you saved, or that you received in this inheritance, or in this, uh, in this settlement, rather, all of this goes away, and your children and grandchildren from your side of the family don't get anything. So we want to protect that. So a prenuptial agreement, a really straightforward. Now, many of you ladies, I, I love it. They, I am never going to marry again. I, I'll, I'll have a boyfriend. I'll do all those kind of things, but I will never marry again. Okay, I get it. You will. You will. <laughs> I know you say never, 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 and maybe you're right. But I will tell you that the further you get away from the yuckiness, the more you find out who you are, our clients come in. I had a gentleman the other day, 77 years old. And he comes into the office and says, Arif, you wouldn't believe it. I'm married. I said, what? How long have you been dating? He said, about eight months. I said, wow, that, that seems fast. He goes, Arif, I don't have a lot of time. <laughs> I said, Okay. And he was married for a long time. And she passed away from an illness. And, and he said, I'm just never going to marry again. I, I can't. She was the love of my life. It was everything I could. He cried every time he th talked to her. And it was years that she had passed. And he still got emotional. And yet, for whatever reason, this lady comes along and melts his heart. So I do want you to know that it's nice that you say that. I'm glad that you do have something that you're solid about at the moment, but just be okay. Just be okay to be open later on. And if you're not, that's fine. But if you do, prenuptial agreement. Protect your money. Put the beneficiaries on your accounts currently who you want them to be. Your children, for example, Jen. Maybe you need a living trust. Now, if you don't own real estate, you probably don't need a living trust. But 
you are going to need parts of a living trust, which would be the health care directive, right? A, a medical care directive that tells what medical conditions, uh, what, what they can do, what kind of treatment, on and on. Those things are very important, right? And it can be laid out pretty clearly inside of the health care directive, but you need a power of attorney. Who can pay the bills when you're incapacitated? Who pays the bills, cashes the check, and on and on. All right, those are important parts. Now, you can do it all inside of a trust, make it simple. But a living trust, a revocable living trust, is mandatory if you have real estate. Even a piece of land in Mojave, right? A $5,000 acre that you bought because that was going to be the next Palm Springs. Remember? <laughs> Remember when you did that? Yeah. Or you have an apartment building or a single family home. It doesn't matter. You need a living trust, all right? Don't forget that, please. And you can get them for $3,000, $2,000, $3,500 maximum, unless if you got something crazy. I've never seen them legitimately for more than that, unless you have something very unique. So please keep that in mind. We have some great attorneys we can recommend and refer you to at least talk to and see if they are a right fit for you. Use your judgment. All right, when we come back next week, your place for news, talk, and information, send me your emails. Arif at TFSWealth.com. That's Arif, A-R-I-F, at TFSWealth.com. 888-99-RETIRE. That's how you get a hold of us. If I can help you with really reasonable, reliable retirement income, say that fast. <laughs> Thanks for being part of the show. I'm Arif Hallaby. 888-99-RETIRE. You have a wonderful week. Life you dream. Learn about financial power. Total financial hour. Strategy. Learn from Arab Halabi. Learn about financial power. The total financial hour. Now Arab has a plan for me. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.